1: was meant to be a nation-building project, a major initiative to begin delivering green power by next year to help Australia into a low-carbon future. But Snowy Hydro 2.0 has been upended by a single machine that got bogged underground, delaying it by years. Today, Four Corners reporter Angus Grigg on the mistakes that were made and the billions of taxpayer dollars they've cost. Angus, Snowy 2.0 is a huge project, but it has quite humble origins, doesn't it?
0: Yes, indeed. It was a project that was first conceived in the 1960s and was always shelved as sort of too difficult and too expensive. But then when we had a sort of energy crisis in 2016, it was revived again. For the first time in the history of the national energy market, an entire state was plunged into darkness, Adeline and uh, indeed, former CEO of Snowy Hydro, Paul Broad, and one of his senior executives, they, they discussed the plan and it was drawn out on the back of a beer coaster huh? at the Alpine Hotel in Cooma in 2017. And that was really the sort of, when they fired the starting gun, on reviving this massive project, which up until that point had seemed too costly and too difficult.
1: Yeah. Okay. I hope they've kept the beer coaster. Yeah. I don't know what's happened to that, but
0: uh, (laughs) it could be a bit of uh, Australiana history.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Great ideas on the back of beer coasters. All right. That was at a time, Angus, that the coalition was in government when Malcolm Turnbull was prime minister. And this was exactly the sort of thing that they were looking for, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you cast your mind back to 2016, there was that huge blackout in South Australia, the state effectively went dark for a good period of time. And the coalition led by Malcolm Turnbull was under huge political pressure to respond, to show that they had a plan for the energy transition. And to be frank, they didn't really have a plan. And so they were sort of scratching around for ideas. And Malcolm Turnbull, who actually does know a huge amount about this area, decided that pumped hydro was the thing that would help stabilise the grid. It would help use this surplus renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And so he he was casting around for a couple of ideas. There was a bit of a push to maybe go to Tasmania and then they settled eventually that they could, you know, reheat, if you like, or revive this old plan from the original Snowy scheme and he dubbed it Snowy 2.0. Snowy Hydro. What an extraordinary achievement. These are big dreams in these mountains. Real courage, a belief in the future. I am a nation-building prime minister, believe me, and this is a nation-building project.
1: So, in essence, Snowy 2.0 was a key project in our transition away from fossil fuels. So just explain for me, Angus, how was it meant to work?
0: So it's a pretty simple idea, really. The initial thing that attracted everyone to the project is that the two main reservoirs that would be used were already built. They are already part or are already part of the Snowy Hydro Scheme. So the idea is that you would take these two existing reservoirs, one up high, one down a little bit lower, and you would link them by this series of tunnels. And so during the day when there was surplus renewable energy, particularly solar power, you would use that surplus solar power to pump water from the bottom reservoir 27 kilometres up to the top reservoir. And then when people got home at night and turned on the television started cooking dinner, you would release that water down through a power station, it would generate energy, and then that would essentially act as a giant battery that could harness this surplus renewable energy from the daytime and people could use it at night when clearly the sun wasn't shining.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
0: And the idea was that it could power three million homes over the course of a week. Mm. It was going to generate uh, something like 2,200 megawatts of power and a way that Malcolm Turnbull ultimately thought would help bring down power prices, which was a really hot-button political issue at the time and, and still is now.
1: It absolutely still is now. So that's the history, Angus, of all of this, but it hasn't been an easy ride and there has been a lot of problems facing this project. It was meant to be operational by 2024, but there is no way that's going to happen, is there?
0: It's fair to say they've had a couple of problems, absolutely. The initial estimates for the project were that it would cost $2 billion and that you'd have the first power by 2024. Now the estimates are that it'll cost twelve billion dollars, and it will be operational by 2028. So, you know, give or take, it's about ten billion dollars over budget and about ten years late.
1: Gosh, okay. And you went along to have a look at it.
0: Hi there. Hey, good day. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to one of the world's biggest batteries. Yeah, absolutely. We got great access. Dennis Barnes, the new chief executive, uh, showed us round. How do you feel looking down on this? I feel incredibly proud of the team who are delivering this great project. He spent a couple of days with us. The key thing that uh, we really wanted to look at was this giant tunnel boring machine called Florence, which is stuck. And so we went down into the ground or into the tunnel and had a look at the progress or lack thereof of this tunnel boring machine.
1: Right, tell me more about Florence then. <laughs>
0: yeah, so Florence is this giant tunnel boring machine. It's 150 metres long. It cost about $150 million. And it's a very sophisticated piece of equipment. And the idea is it will tunnel 15 kilometres through the Kosciuszko National Park from one of the reservoirs to the power station. Mm-hmm. What we've discovered in the course of doing this story, what Florence needed to go through this soft ground was some really sophisticated infrastructure, and that was called a slurry machine that should have been attached to the back of Florence. Now, not only was that uh, piece of infrastructure not attached, it wasn't on site. Mm. And so that was a really key failing, and that it meant that. Florence wasn't able to push forward and that it eventually did get stuck just 150 metres into that tunnel in the soft ground.
1: So Florence got bogged, basically, and couldn't move forward.
0: Yeah, I should actually go back a step. So when the project was first announced, they did a feasibility study. And the engineers who were doing that uh, were very well respected, a company called SMEC. And we've talked to insiders. This is what they've told us. They begged Snowy Hydro. They said, we don't understand enough about the geology. We don't understand enough about the tunnel path of where these tunnel boring machines are going, and we're very worried that actually one of them could get stuck. So they went to Snowy Hydro and they said, we need to do more drilling. And because of the political pressure to get this project started, that request was rejected. Oh my gosh. The second really big mistake they made was that as they were preparing to launch this tunnel boring machine, Florence, They drilled ahead about 100 metres or so and what they discovered was that the ground was really soft and that there was effectively an underground river and it was gushing thousands of litres of water every few seconds. So that should have been a moment to pause and to re-evaluate whether they really wanted to launch this machine. If we go forward to about... March 2022, when Florence was re- launched with great fanfare, I would say, just eight weeks after that, Florence hit the predicted soft ground and was effectively bogged. And so I guess, you, you know, your big take out of this is that this problem was entirely preventable.
1: What then does the CEO of Snowy Hydro, Dennis Barnes, have to say about all of this? Because the company's come under a lot of criticism.
0: Yeah, a huge amount of criticism for the project and the way that it has been managed and implemented. So Dennis Barnes, he's been brought in to clean up the mess. And I'd say he's a pretty safe pair of hands. He's had a lot of experience in the industry. So lots of people have said really harsh things about Snowy 2.0 that it will never be completed. What do you say to them? Well, I say I'm here to complete the project. We're 40% of the way in. Uh, We've learned a lot. We've now got a a contract reset, a way of working reset, which I believe will deliver. And above all else, it's incredibly important to the uh, energy transition. And Now... In the time since he's come in, since about February this year, they've done a huge amount of work. They've actually done some of that drilling that they should have done earlier. They've done some proper evaluation. And he's quite confident that they can finish this project by 2028. He's confident that the budget of about $12 billion will stick this time. But he does also admit that there's a huge number of challenges ahead.
1: the problems with Florence. They were hidden from the public for a long time, weren't they?
0: Yeah, so one of the really big issues is the lack of transparency in this project. And so effectively Florence was bogged, stuck, paused, whatever language you want to use, eight weeks after it was launched in about May 2022. But Snowy Hydro not only hid this from the public for the best part of six or seven months, they put out statements saying exactly the opposite. In one instance, they said that when rumours started sort of circulating that Florence was in trouble, they put out a press release saying exactly the opposite, that Florence was on the move. In December, 2022, when there was the appearance of this giant sinkhole above the tunnel boring machine, They conceded that there was a sinkhole, but said that the machine was pushing ahead through difficult terrain and gave the impression that everything was going to be okay.
1: Well, Angus, this has come at huge taxpayer cost. So I guess the question is, was it a huge mistake to go ahead with it in the first place?
0: So the decision to launch Florence without the proper infrastructure has cost the project $2 billion. So on any measure, that is an enormous amount of money. And the only conclusion you can draw is that it was entirely preventable. As to the bigger question of whether or not the project should have been launched at the time, I think the answer is probably no. They should have taken their time. They needed to do a proper feasibility study. They needed to wait until... The proper infrastructure was in place for the tunnel boring machine. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So Florence is still stuck. Florence has travelled 150 metres of her 15-kilometre journey and there's no guarantee that Florence won't get stuck again.
1: Yeah, and what does this all mean then, Angus, for our power? We don't want to rely on fossil fuels anymore, do we? We all need to transition, but it seems like our transition is being rather held up.
0: Yeah, so... I think, actually, the good news is that the market has just moved on. And this is the big uh, criticism of Snowy Hydro, is that we're going to have a sort of $12 billion white elephant. You know, people are now saying that, look, Snowy will play a part, but its real usage or utility, if you like, won't be for sort of 10 or 15 years' time when we need to get that final bit of the energy transition done. And so the criticism is that it won't really have a place in the energy market for the next couple of years, even after it's built, because the advancements in batteries, you know, they'll be quicker to start, they'll be cheaper than Snowy Hydro 2.0.
1: Angus Grigg is a reporter with Four Corners. You can watch his report on iView. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald, Nell Whitehead, Lara Corrigan and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. To get in touch with the team, please email us on the ABC News Daily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.